Welcome to Rock That Relationship, a podcast about all things relationship with Corey and Tracy. Now let's get real and start creating relationships that rock. Welcome to Rock That Relationship. We are back here at season three, just moving quite along with all of these great episodes on healing and what to do during your healing process after a breakup. Tracy and I are excited about today's topic because this is one that is really an important one to think about. It's that space between breaking up and maybe being on your own entirely and kind of that self-love piece or even repartnering all together. What do you do during the healing process to gain clarity and determine expectations for how you want to move forward, particularly in another relationship in the future or what you're looking for in a future partner. Sometimes what happens is we're in relationships and we might have something in that relationship or with that partner that we really like, we enjoy. That's part of, you know, what makes us drawn to that person to begin with. And we know that that's important for our next relationship. We want to find somebody or a situation that, that, emulates those previous partnerships. But we also have situations where maybe we didn't have something in a past relationship and we say, yikes, I want to make sure that I have that in the future and I'm gaining clarity over why that's important to me. So what we're going to talk about in this episode really is this idea of that that healing time and how we go about clarifying our needs and expectations for moving forward in future relationships. So Tracy, I'm going to get us kicked off because I think this is a really important question for us to consider as we just, we launch right into this is, you know, what is one thing you've come to realize that's important to you to have in a partner? Because maybe you had it before um, and you want it in the future. So it could have been all of your past relationships or some of the most recent ones, but you say, I had that. And I really want to make sure that I have that again in the future. We call those like the must-haves. What are your must-haves? Must-haves. Um, I think an intellectual connection, that's vital. And I don't think I'd be attracted to someone without that. Um, and care about the environment and animals. That's definitely a must-have. Um, I haven't always had it, but I've had it in some relationships, and it's made everything go much smoother. Those are, like, real key things for me. Yeah, well, and, and that's that's really good to know that you were able to kind of come to that place and, and figure that out and know that you've had it in the past. So when you say it's something like care about environment and animals, does that mean like care about like your pets or does that mean like you, they care about like sustainability in the, in just the environment at large? All of the above. Check, check, check. check I mean, check. I have pets and it, my pets are like my babies. And so that's obviously very important to me. And, you know, I'm a vegan, I'm an environmentalist, I'm, you know, a lawyer. So these, all these things I like, I need somebody who's willing to engage on those issues. And when you're very, you know, if you're really diametrically opposed to someone, it's very difficult to like talk about your passions. You know, I guess somebody who's, who can embrace my passions, I can embrace their passions, you know, to have a equal respect for each other's passions, I think is important. Yeah. Well, and it also sounds like some alignment there too, that you do have, maybe you have your own passions about different things, but you do share some passions and maybe one being the environment. Um, well, I mean, what, like supporting each other, you know, I mean, right. I think, you know, you get that, but like, I mean, what's your absolute must haves? I mean, I have to be with someone who's active and committed to wellness. So I've had that in my, in my last several relationships where, you know, the person I was with would go hiking with me, would go, you know, on a bike ride. They would just go out and do stuff. We did five K's. I think I've done some type of a race or something with you know, the last, you know, couple partners, um, but also like committed to wellness. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a vegan, but I'm a vegetarian. I try to eat like a lot of vegetables. I know people who are like completely afraid of vegetables. Um, <laughs> that's not me. Mm-hmm. My past partners have all been, um, my, my, my most recent ones, my more serious ones have all been vegetarian. They eat really healthy. They, um, you know, they just kind of have a well and fit life where they they're committed to that. And, and that's, a, that's really important to me. Um, I, but does it matter that they do the same things that you do or is it that they're doing things? like what if they were a windsurfer well not here in Arizona but let's say they were <laughs> sand surfer maybe yeah like something <laughs> let's say not hiking not biking like what if they were totally into weightlifting and um you know something you don't do how, how would you feel about that 
I think I think it would be great. Um, you know, it's interesting. The last or the my current partner and my previous one were runners. They liked to, mm-hmm. they enjoyed running, and I only run when I'm chased. So we mm-hmm. definitely were very divergent on that point. Um, and I like things like um, like tennis, um, softball. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some in basketball and some of my other partners, that wasn't what they were into quite as much, but we found some common ground. So we were able to have active lifestyles independent of each other, but then we're able to cross over and say, what do we have in common? And with all, with my past three partners, including my current one, uh, we all really, really enjoy hiking. Um, and Mm -hmm. so that's like the kind of the common ground that we've come to. So I think it's important for me to have that person have some type of, of activity that they enjoy. And it doesn't have to be one that I enjoy, but I do like that there is something we can come together on. It's so interesting because you know how into hiking I am. And it, it's like, it doesn't matter to me, the hiking part. Well, maybe because I have tried to get somebody into that and they totally weren't and it didn't go well. So now I'm just like, I don't, that doesn't matter to me. The active and, you know, good lifestyle, like healthy lifestyle is very important, but it no longer matters to me, like what activity, because I just need to do my own thing. That's what I've realized. I guess this, there's the must have the space to do your own thing. I like to hike okay. by myself and I hike with you and just very few other people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, and that's, that's so interesting. And that's the cool part about this process when we're, you know, thinking about healing and what getting clarity on what we want in the future is to say, in your case, you can say, I want someone who's active, but I don't have to hike with them. And I say, I want somebody who's active and I want them to hike with me. And mm-hmm. you know, both of those are okay because we've gained the clarity to know what it is that we want right. in the future. But okay, let me flip it around the other way. What's one thing you have, you've come to realize that's important to have in a partner because you maybe didn't have it in the past. And you're like, oh, I definitely, the next time around, you know, I'm going to have this or the, or on the flip side, I'm never doing that again. going to, you know, like, do you have any of those where you're like, absolutely this next time around, I'm going to have this. Yes. And I, they're kind of the same as the other ones, but except for the, I've always had an intellectual connection with everybody that I've dated because I don't think I could get past that if I didn't, but um, I'm not doing a non-sporty person again. I'm not doing a person (laughs) who doesn't want to be out there doing stuff, you know? And like, because I hike the way I hike, there's very few people that enjoy that. You do, but that's about it. So that <laughs> one, I have to, I don't care whether they want to hike with me or not. And then um I'm not, I cannot do somebody who won't process with me or isn't interested in like a securely attached relationship. And it doesn't mean that they have to be like in a place of secure attachment when we meet but at least interested in that and interested in why, which is funny because I never used to be that person. I was the polar opposite. So when you say like, I'm never doing that again, part of it is I'm never going to, I don't want to be that way again. Like part of it is about me being different, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, now you're seeking out that, which you weren't not even that, which you Mm -hmm. didn't have, which is really interesting. I mean, and I think there are certain people who I haven't spoken to about this. I've spoken to several exes about it and they're very happy that I've apologized and that I've changed my ways. And then there's one that, you know, was my ex-wife very instrumental in getting me to understand that, but I couldn't understand it while we were married. And I think she'd be surprised to hear my understanding of it now and my desire for that. Like it's a lot of my desire for that is based on looking back and seeing how I behave. And I'm, you know, not happy with how I was. I'm not, I'm not a person who regrets stuff. So I don't, I didn't know any better and it's it's like when she was trying to explain this stuff to me, I just couldn't sink in. And so now I see that and I see like the person doesn't have to be come to you in, oh, they're doing all the things I want them to do, but at least be willing to listen to you and understand why those things are important. And I think I've done enough, not enough, like I'm not obviously a therapist, but like I've studied this now a lot to really understand it and see why it's so important. And want that other person that you're with to also, maybe they don't know as much about it, but that they're open to learning and open to exploring right. their attachment right. style, perhaps, and wanting to process with you. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Particularly, it makes sense because that's part of your healing process between a couple different relationships, as you just mm-hmm. referenced. And the fact is, is that you were able to reference your own behavior with your own expectations and the things that you've had in the past with other partners. So you have all these things kind of converging. And it, I mean, it makes absolute sense. Um, 
I think for, for me, and then we talked about this a little bit in season one is I'm, I'm like a, an Uber extrovert. I'm kind of off the charts and I'm an extrovert in two ways. One is I like to externally process, which means that I often think and talk at the same time, which kind of gets me in trouble sometimes. Um, but I will always preface like a work meeting with, I'm going to make a lot of suggestions, many of them, which mm-hmm. I will not end up liking after they come out of my mouth. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's part of it is my external processing. But the other part of it is that I'm also a social person and I get energy by being around other people. So being, you know, having a long day at work or something and people say, Hey, do you want to go and or come go out to dinner? And I'll say, absolutely. Because that to me energizes me. Um, I have been, um, with someone who was on a very, very, very strong end of extroversion. Um, and that was in some ways fulfilling, but might've swung the pendulum really, really far because that was right after I was in a relationship with an introvert. And, uh, you know, being with an introvert was, was really interesting. Um, you know, we processed differently. I, I needed to externally process and she would internally process. But for me, it was the time, the time it took, mm-hmm. right. You know, the, oh, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about it tomorrow. And I, it would just, I couldn't handle that. I literally could not come to grips with it and I'd get into a tailspin. Um, and then after like a long day, I'd want to go out and do something and, you know, she would want to stay home and read a book. And there, I did mean, it bug a, you to like, did you go out and do stuff then on your own or, or with other people? Or did you then just, did you curb your own behavior and then sit there in resentment? Oh, uh, the first decade I curbed my own behavior and sat there in my resentment mm-hmm. because I really mm-hmm. wanted to experience those things with her. And that mm-hmm. wasn't an option. And mm-hmm. so then I ended up, you know, making friends and then I went out and I experienced those things with other people, which led me to a great amount of guilt because mm-hmm. I really wanted to have those experiences with her. And so guilt? It me, did that person, did she guilt you or did you guilt yourself? I guilted myself a hundred percent. Um, and like, I, did felt, she care that you went out and did stuff? Nope. Not even uh-huh. a little bit, but I felt bad mm-hmm. because I was having all of these profound experiences that I wanted with her. I was having them with some other people, right? And it, mm-hmm. and it wasn't, it, it was great that I was having these experiences, but I felt that it detached me from her. She mm-hmm. wasn't, she ended up over the years, not really being my go-to for mm-hmm. things because she had expressed for so long that she wasn't interested and, and, and it worked for her, but it didn't work for me because I created this kind of pseudo life and extrovert's mm-hmm. life along the side. And then whenever I needed a process and she wasn't interested in processing, I would end up processing with other people. So I felt like I had like a little bit of a dual life and I had two choices. I could curb my behavior, right? Um, and compromise, or I could go out and find it somewhere else. And both of those things didn't work for me. They just mm-hmm. didn't. I spent a long time trying to do that. And it's not that I won't be with an introvert. It's not necessarily it. It's not like a hard and fast. Um, but I want to be with someone who's more like me when it comes to external mm-hmm. processing. They're, they're more open to having conversations. I want to be with someone who's more interested in being social rather than maybe staying home and in kind of a quiet night in all the time. Um, because I've done it before and it, and it didn't mm-hmm. work for me. It just didn't work for me. I felt e- either, either path I chose, it just didn't work. So mm-hmm. for me, um, I, I, it doesn't have to be like, a, like I said, an off the charts extrovert, but someone who's just more on the extroverted side fits better with what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense. It's good that you know that, you know, you can get to that place. Like, did you have to really sit there and think about it or was it so clear to you? Because I know the one relationship you're talking about, the introvert, that lasted a long time. That was a long, long-term relationship, you know? So were you stewing in your own resentment for a long time? And then you're like, I can't live like this, you know? I mean, not, it wasn't the cause of our breakup, but after we separated, I was able to very easily look back and look at the incompatibility (laughs) of that. Um, and that's why when I went into my next relationship, I was like the very first thing on my list was to find a, an extreme extrovert. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that was an important thing for me at the time. Now, since then, I've also been able to kind of manage that and mitigate it a little bit in the middle and say, okay, Mm -hmm. now that I've had both, I I can kind of, now I'm in, you know, I was in another healing process and was like, okay, what do I really want like? Like mm-hmm. how important is that? And kind of on the pendulum, where does that fall? And so that gave me more clarity. So it's like I had one sense of clarity after one breakup and then, and then kind of built on that after another breakup and kind of came to where I, I am now. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Well, all this stuff is interesting that we talk about, isn't it? Do you want your friends like <laughs> um to be that also? I mean, does this apply outside of the relationship? Because do you have, can you have friends that are 
less extroverted or is that difficult too? Um, I think it matters a little tiny bit less, but if I were mm-hmm. to look around at who the people are that I talk to the most and have the closest relationships with by virtue of the fact that we talk a lot are probably most of my extroverted friends. They're also more mm-hmm. likely to hang out with me because they're out being social. So I think just by that, that circumstance, mm-hmm. I become closer to them. It isn't any kind of an expectation though. And I do have right. many lovely friends who are introverts and introverts are, are wonderful people. Um, I think though, in a, in a partnership for me, that's where it created just some dissonance. Um, but I'm not so sure that it would create that kind of dissonance in a friendship. But I think I said the same thing too about extrovert. I need to be with an extrovert, you know, yeah. because I have been with two introverts and I think I just got on their nerves all the time. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I was yeah. constantly on their nerves and yeah, I got it like made me feel bad. Like, sorry, this is the way I am. And that external processing, some people do not like it. I mean, some people can tolerate it, but then there are some people who straight up don't like it. And I think right. when, after this last breakup, I did say, Oh my, I have to be with an extrovert. I just need to be. Cause it's not that I don't go out as much as you do. I mean, maybe, I mean, we do different things when we go out, but like, I want to be able to just do whatever I want to do. And I, I can't imagine being like, like hemmed in, like by someone not wanting to go out and do stuff like, or, I mean, I like to stay home, watch Netflix. I'm like that, but not all the time. Or if, you know, something comes up, I don't know. That's very interesting, but I think I did say you got to be with an extrovert. Yeah. Right? Just somebody well, also who's not a, like, who's you can go to a party with and every, both people can hold their own. You know? Yeah. Well, that makes sense too, because, you know, as we talk about the, like, this is what I have, didn't have, and I want it in the future. I know that you've had experiences with introverts and, you know, maybe going, you know, wanting someone more extroverted and, you know, and I think about, you know, um, like even when you're talking about like, uh, you know, finding someone who likes to process, you know, that's, you know, that's important to me too. So it's, it's this healing process is being able to sit with it and say, okay, I didn't have that quite the way that I wanted it the last time. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with this person. It's just when it comes to compatibility, does that fit for what I want? Right. And when we look at things like these must haves, the ones that we've had all along and we want to keep having, and then these, like, I'm never doing that again, or, you know, kind of looking back and saying, you know, I want something that I haven't had or haven't had in a while that kind of makes up our larger list of like what we call a no-go list. The, if I don't have these things moving forward, it's kind of non-negotiable, right? Mm-hmm. I've had them or I didn't and I want them, but it's non-negotiable. So we call that like our no-go list. And, you know, the no-goes are, I mean, it's, it's really important to identify what those are. And during that healing time is a perfect time to realize that because, Oftentimes we'll get into a relationship and we're, we're trying to navigate our no-goes right while we're living our relationship. And that will absolutely happen. But the healing time is a really great opportunity to reflect and say, okay, I just need to be very clear about what I want moving forward. I see. That is smart. Well, what are your no-goes? Well, here's the thing. So, you know, when we, we actually just, you know, to be transparent to our listeners, we actually recorded this episode the other day and, um, we ended up talking about our no-goes right at this part where we were talking about what our no-goes were. And we ended up spending the entire time pretty much, um, you know, sharing our no-goes and then critiquing each other's no-goes because we had very right. different ones and we went back uh-huh. and forth and, uh, and like we got off the, the recording and I listened to it and I was like, what did we just do? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the whole point of this episode is really to say your no-goes are just as important as mine and they might not be the same. And that's, that's perfectly normal and that's perfectly okay. And that's to be expected. And there's not really one right answer for anything and that we should be supportive when people have clarity about their no-goes not critiquing them and uh and so it was we did decide to re-record this because we weren't modeling at all what what we were trying to talk about in the episode well and i have to say that i think that was very good of us like i I know there was some tension about it and we talked it through and rather than letting this be like something that either got between us start a fight or we're like we're wrong like we okay we learn from that right like that this process even helped our own relationship because we were doing that to each other and not even realizing it and until you listen to it afterwards like 
you know, we were basically invalidating everything that was coming out of the other person's <laughs> mouth. And I think that's a really good relationship lesson. We didn't mean it. We didn't mean to be mean or anything. And we were just having discussion, but that's part of relationship that we don't need to get, like, that's not going to cause a rift between us. And we can say, ar, ar, stop. We got to right. back up. Let's recognize what we just did and then just move forward without anger or resentment, you know, because we clarified what are we wanting out of this? Is it every time you say something, I'm going to rip it apart, you know, or vice versa? Right. And well, especially on this topic too, because, you know, when it's interesting, you know, when I've been in a, in a situation and you and I've had these conversations right after, you know, one of my breakups where I told you, I'm like, I absolutely do not want this in my next relationship. And, you know, you've come to me with like, that's interesting. Why, how did you come to that conclusion? Why do you believe that? And that felt supportive to me as a friend. And, mm-hmm. and I think about when we show up for each other, um, you know, it takes a lot of time sometimes, or a lot of energy or a lot of thought to figure out what these no-goes are for ourselves. And then when we disclose them to other people, the last thing we need is just someone to be unsupportive or critique that. I mean, it might not right. be something that's important to one person, but it's definitely important to another. So I, I just think it was a, it was an interesting um, lesson for us that how easy it is, even when we do this work and we talk about being really intentional about how easy it was for it to slip into an unproductive exchange. And so we, you know, would encourage all of you all listening to be vulnerable with sharing your no-goes, but you know, also making sure that you're um, not critiquing other people's and that, you know, if other people start critiquing yours, just, you know, be very clear about your expectations and, you know, wanting support rather than critique, especially with a process as vulnerable as this. Yeah. And some people can like critique or handle critique. And I know for me, there's a difference in, in kind of personalities. And I think being a lawyer, like I like to really like my friends, Somebody I was dating or married who wants to like, oh, your friends, I'll just back you up. I'm like, well, clearly you've never talked to my friends because most of them rip me apart all the time <laughs> and tell me what I'm doing wrong. And for me, that's great because it's like, I need that. But there are times when I have to say, whoa, like, I just need to be heard or I just need to be exactly. felt that you're, you're supporting me. I don't care if you think I'm whack, like I'm your friend, support me. And I think right. that's what we backed up and did. And I think that's better, you know, and that's all part of a relationship process, you know? Exactly. So, you know, with that said, what, you know, let's talk about some of our no-goes and how we determined that they were no-goes. So our no-goes are just either the must-haves or the never doing that agains and saying, moving forward, like this is not negotiable. I am just, I'm not willing to compromise on this. So do you have one, Tracy? It's a yes, no-go for you? dogs, must love dogs. Must I'm love just, dogs. I always think I'm not going to have another dog. <laughs> You know, whenever one of my dogs passes away, I'm like, that's it. I'm not getting dogs and I'm going to let this next one pass away. And then suddenly I have a younger one (laughs) with the older one. And why do I like dogs so much? I can't even answer that question. But I've been with two people who were resentful towards my dogs and it made it very difficult. And I don't, I don't want that again. You know, I don't know. Am I going to have dogs again? I just have a puppy now. So I'll have her for a long, long time. And I don't want someone resenting that. That's just, it's a bummer, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And, and not everyone has to love dogs and dogs aren't the greatest thing on earth. And I know they're, they're taxing and they're, they can be annoying in mine in particular because they're untrained monsters, but like just, I, I have to be with somebody who's not going to resent something that I love so much. Yeah. Well, that makes, that makes total sense. And I mean, I have it on the flip side. I have cats. Well, mm-hmm. I have a cat now, but um, I want, you know, I, I, I don't know that I could be with someone who doesn't like cats and also who, you know, like somebody who might be allergic to cats. I, I was in one relationship where um, we were in a long distance relationship for a little bit. And then she sold all of her stuff and put everything in a moving truck and came all the way across the country and moved in and said, oh, I forgot you had a cat. Yeah, you're going to have to get rid of that thing. And I was like, what? First of all, it's no. not a thing. But I was like, yeah. what? She goes, yeah, I forgot right. to tell you I'm allergic to cats. I'm like, this is like, this is my pet. And, yeah. and then she said, you're going to have, I said, you're, she said, you're going to have to choose. And I said, you actually really don't want me to choose because it's not going to be pretty. And you're going to have to take the yeah. truck all the way back across the country. And so, and then I said, probably insensitively, aren't there shots for that? So, um, she actually did like an immersion therapy and just basically cuddled with the cat for two weeks and sneezed and blew her nose and the whole nine yards. And then boom, she wasn't allergic and she liked cats. We ended up getting a second one. 
Um, but for me moving forward, I realized, yikes, I better tell people that I've got a cat. Right <laughs> up front. Hi, right I up have front. a cat. Exactly. A cat like in a dating but, you know, profile or something. Exactly. Put cats up front, which is not unusual for our kind of people. But I would like to <laughs> everyone to know I do have a cat and she has her own Instagram. So I love cats and dogs. So I guess for me, it's pets and I have guinea pigs. Like, I don't want anyone resenting my pets. That's all. Yep. Yep. I agree. You know, well, let, let's take it a level deeper here. You know, I know one of the other things for me that's really, that's a no-go is having a long distance relationship or the alternative, which is maybe having long distance and then moving away to be with that person somewhere outside of where I live in Tucson, Arizona. Um, this is, this is clarity that I am a hundred percent sure of. Now there's other people say, oh, I'd be fine. I could move wherever, but that is not me. And I'm very clear. I've been in long distance relationships before. I don't like them. Um, and I have moved away from Tucson and different points in my, in my, in the last 20 years since I've lived mm-hmm. here. And I have done nothing but been homesick and sat in the corner and literally cried the entire time that I was gone until I could come back home. It was like, I was just homesick. I, I don't want to leave, which that means right. that when looking for a partner, that person has to be local and they have to want to remain here, at least for the time being. Um, I, I like you know, I like the city. I like the weather here. It's beautiful. I, I've got friends and a community. I've, I've lived here for 20 years. My family is nearby. And I... And you're just uh, talking about living here. You travel. Let's make it clear. Oh, you yeah. travel. You're not not like, oh, I never leave here. But the, oh, yeah, yeah. this is your home base. This is this where is you my want home to be base. based. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I'm very clear about that. Actually, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, that's probably my number one no-go out of every yeah. single thing, probably even more than extroversion and vegetarianism and all that. I, I need, I need to be here. I need to be home. I feel lost when I'm not. And so mm-hmm. that's a no-go for me. Good. That's a great no-go. Yeah. Cause what you know I- it. And I can just, I can, I know that about you just knowing you cause you love this town so much. Those are not my no-goes at all, but <laughs> um, you know, political ideologies, that's my no-go. And I can't, I wouldn't even get past, you know, an hour conversation like it just wouldn't go anywhere that's just absolutely has to match so yeah i, I mean that's no question sense. in my mind about that yeah well when you're talking about things that are so deep-seated like that it's really hard to compartmentalize and say okay well you know you voted for this person i voted for this person or you believe in this and i believe in that we just won't talk about it so yeah that can be really difficult um yeah because i'm not a person who can say we won't talk about it you know what i mean because i would talk about it like incessantly well particularly because one of the things you said that you really want is to be able to process with your partner and and have that connection that that intellectual connection which you know i feel that this is all part of but yeah i mean that's something i would never even get past like just wouldn't happen Right, right. Well, and I think, you know, as we continue to talk about this, it's this idea that, yes, you and I share some of the same no-goes. We have some very different no-goes. It doesn't really matter kind of what they are. I mean, the reason we're sharing them on this episode is to talk a little bit about, you know, why those things are so important to us and a little bit about the history of how they came to be. But let's get a little bit more into the process of it. Like, what helped you determine that these were no-goes? Like, what kinds of things... Um, did, did you either do intentionally or maybe even happened unintentionally that were just like, yes, I am certain this is a no-go. Well, I don't know if anything I do in life has much intention behind it, but it's just a feeling, right? Like, and I think for me to know that what I'm doing is irritating to another person and then I know what those things are. And if I were to meet somebody and then it would be apparent that those things would be irritating to them then I can't move past. Like, I don't like to feel that someone's irritated with me. That really bothers me. And I've been in that situation where like, it's like the core of my being just rubs a person, the other person the wrong way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, that I don't like. And that for me is like, I'm not saying they're thinking about it or whatever. It's the gut feeling I get. And I can't move past gut feelings. Like those things are, that's how I make all my decisions. I think we, this, if you want to talk about processes, right? We've talked about this before. Everything I do is very scattershot. It's without intention. And basically everything I do is on gut instinct. My whole life has lived that way. And you're kind of the opposite in planning. And, you know, I always think, oh, wouldn't it be nice if I could plan? Or wouldn't it be nice if I could think this through? And I don't. And so then I kind of act and then I've got to do cleanup later. Well, I mean, that's a great point. So have you ever moved forward with someone? Like you're like, 
Like this is a, this is a no-go. I'm sure it's a no-go. And then you're like, oh, but they're really nice. Or they've got all these other qualities. I'm going to just move forward with them anyways. And then you're like, "Uh oh, yep. That no-go was more important than I thought it was. I might not be willing to compromise that. Have you ever had that experience? Uh, yes, many times. <laughs> and literally had to sit down. I mean, I'm not saying I sat the person down. They might've sat me down and we said, mm, we sure really thought about this before we went forward. This. I moved across country or whatever. Like, yes, I've had that many times. And I, I kind of live that way because I feel like people are, I, I'm not one of those people that says, don't talk about politics. Don't talk about religion. Don't talk about whatever. I will talk about whatever with anybody sitting anywhere that I see them come upon them at the bus stop or whatever. I don't, I don't censor myself generally. And I don't believe that, you know, people can't talk about those things and that, you know, people are flexible. They're flexible in their mind and they're flexible in their behavior. And I feel like if, if I am with somebody, we already have an intellectual connection. So why can't we discuss that? But there have been things I think that I have just rubbed the other person so much. They just, I just irritate them, rub them the wrong way. What is that phrase? Like I'm annoying to them. And I don't like that. What about like the other way around? Like, not that they were annoying to you, but like you thought maybe they were going to do something or change or that you could be a little bit more flexible and open with this kind of non-negotiable, but they were behaving in a way that you were like, oh, I cannot do this. Like, I can't be in this situation anymore. Um, that has happened and has led to breakups, you know, that that is like either substance abuse or um not taking I mean, I had a breakup with somebody I was really in love with over a dog. So yes, like that's been very difficult where it's just, we've come to an impasse or, you know, I feel that like, I don't know if it's that I'm not being respected or not listened to, or that just we're, we have processed it and it's not going to get better. You know, it's not going to change. And I guess I mean, you've called me a hopeless romantic before. I am, and I always will give everything 100%. I may do it in a really messy way. But then you get to the point where you've tried everything, and it's just time to move on because your differences are that big, you know, Mm -hmm. or that hard to get past. And, yeah, I mean, particularly with my ex-wife, I moved across the country, and then we're like, oh, my gosh, we were literally like, we should have really talked about this first, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And but then I had eight years of some very wonderful experiences. So I don't know, you know, is it, that's how I continue to live my life. It's like, okay, I guess I'm a walking, I make mistakes and I do things that I say that I shouldn't, then I do them. And then everyone's like, Oh my gosh, you know, I could have told you my best friend, you shouldn't have done that. I told you. And then I'm like, yeah, but look, I, I learned this, 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 and this, you know, out of it. And it's fascinating. I think about this all the time. Like, you know, there's some people who meet their the love of their life in high school and they are married for the rest of their life. And, you know, they get that. And it's weird because that's what I always wanted from my life. And yet I've been a serial monogamist and I mean, eight people, 10 people I've been with my whole life and I'm over 50, but it's it, as much as I didn't want that, all of those experiences have been so enriching to me. And I did say, you know, before, like, I don't want to do this again right? Like the heartbreak part, but I, I would want to, to learn and know another person and to know all these things I feel like has added to the tapestry or whatever you want to call it of my life, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and as you're talking, I'm thinking about whether I've done this, you know, and, and I ha- I don't think I've ever knowingly entered into, well, maybe one very, very young relationship, but for my more serious ones, I've never entered into a relationship that, um, where there were not, where I was compromising or questioning any of my, or letting go of any of my non-negotiables going into the Mm -hmm. relationship. But, but the different part for me was that we grew so much in different directions and in all, in all those relationships that the things that were non-negotiable to me became of interest to the other person, like moving, Mm -hmm. um, or we, you know, um, just kind of how we would, you know, how we wanted to, to live our life and, and, you know, so we were on the same page when we started and then, you know, we both changed. And so I still held some of those non-negotiables and then they became 
kind of everyday things and requests and preferences of my partner. And then I had to assess a smack dab in the middle of the relationship. If I was willing to continue on with someone who is Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden in one of my no-go categories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's hard. I think that's, that's really hard for a lot of people, religion, diet, uh, becoming more active and the partner's not things like that. And it's really, really hard because people do grow and change throughout their life. And so if you're in a long-term relationship and now you're like completely changing and different and that, that other person's not going in the same direction. It's, it's heartbreaking, but it's like you have to live the life that you want to live and not have those things that are so difficult up in your face every day, I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. You change, change away from each other, not change kind of alongside. Well, you know, you talk about being more scattershot and kind of like, um, you know, you, you don't look before you leap mostly like you leap and then mm-hmm. look behind. Whereas I definitely look before I leap. Um, I'm not sure that it's gotten me any different places than you, your approach has gotten you, right. um, but, but mine's um, the things I've done, the, the biggest thing that has kind of worked for me or the things that I do the most often to determine if something is non-negotiable is to imagine myself violating that non-negotiable. Like, what does that feel like? What does it look like? What is the experience like? So like when I think of myself coming home at night to a house in a place that isn't where I live, like in this town that I live in, I might be shoveling snow or I might be out by a beach. It doesn't really matter. But when I imagine myself and I, and then all of a sudden it drums up these feelings, right? And often the feelings are unsettled. Mm-hmm. There are feelings of homesickness. There are feelings of sadness. And you're talking to somebody who's probably moved 20 times in their life. I've lived in several states. So I'm not, I'm not like a massive homebody that's never explored the world around me. Um, But I've come to realize that being where I am is really important. And so I sit with that feeling and then I say, okay, that doesn't feel good. So it's kind of like a gut instinct, like you're talking about. My Mm -hmm. gut is telling me this would not be something I'm willing to negotiate on. What would it be like if I couldn't have a cat in my house? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd be lonely. I work from home all day. It's like, mm-hmm. I love having my kitty here. Would I be sad? I got sad. And so I can, that's almost like my gut check barometer. Mm-hmm. Um, but there might be some other things where I think about, and it's like, it it isn't, doesn't feel as unsettling or negative as I think about it in my head. And then when I sit with it, I'm like, okay, well, maybe that isn't really a no-go. So for me, it's being able to do that kind of that gut check when I'm imagining mm-hmm. myself violating that no-go. And when I'm not doing that. I just that, violate you know. it and then <laughs> reap the consequences later. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't typically knowingly go in and violate it. And then sometimes right. I actually go so far as to make like a pro and con list, you know, like where I mm-hmm. literally lay things out. But, you know, there was this one time when I was, I made a pro and con list about something and I had so many pros and I only had a couple cons, you know, and, you know, if you're thinking from quantity perspective, I had right. way more reasons to, to say yes to whatever this was. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and I just got a just a yucky feeling imagining myself saying yes, even though the hmm. pros were there. And I, it was her job offer and I called and I turned on the job. Um, because it's the weight of each of those cons, right? So maybe exactly. the pros, they weighed a pound each, but the cons weighed 20 pounds each, you know? Right. right. And it was just the feeling I got when I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this isn't what I want. And so, right. um, you know, we, it sounds like we both have some different, different processes, but I, but let's, let's, Take it to like our last kind of thought here. So, you know, we talk about our no-goes and like how we've come to determine those. And, um, but what about those spaces where we're just not sure? They're like our unsures. Um, so we, we have questions that come up for us that are, we don't have an answer to. So we don't know if it's negotiable or, or not. So because maybe we haven't particularly for in my case, I haven't really been in the situation. So like two of the biggest questions for me when I was in my most recent kind of dating bout was what would it be like to date someone with kids? Because I've, I've never done that before. I Even have though child. you have your own child. I have my own child, but I thought I have my child part-time and I thought, what would it be like to be with someone with kids, particularly small kids, right? That might need a babysitter and all that stuff. And I've kind of been there and done that, but that's fine too. Maybe I wasn't really hung up on that. I was really hung up on the part where I might be living with someone and we have their kids full-time, but I only have mine part-time. How would I feel about creating relationships with these kids that maybe were more day-to-day than my own? How would my child feel about that? And I don't have an answer to it. I didn't come up with a, yes, I would date someone with kids or no, I wouldn't, but it made me think through a lot. Mm -hmm. And did you discuss that with any potential 
future partners, I have a child. How do you feel about that? Like, you know, I'm not going to want another child and I have this child and it's my child and it's a part time, you know, gig for, for, you know, how many years we're going to be together. Well, and I have every single person that Mm -hmm. I had any kind of serious discussion with was, you know, Mm-hmm. how do you feel about me having kids? And, and I actually, there was only one person that I had an, an interest in a kind of a fleeting interest in who had a, a child. And um, so we did talk a little bit about that, but um, everyone else didn't have kids. And so the question would be like, what would it be like to date someone who doesn't have kids? Or what would it be like to date someone who doesn't want kids? Mm-hmm. Do I tr- invest in them hoping that they're going to like my kid after a while? Or do I just walk away. Maybe they said they weren't interested in dating someone with children because they've never done it before. Mm-hmm. Do I take them at their face value for that? Um, so lots and lots of questions to ponder. And to ask the other person and just be open and talk about it, right? Just bring exactly. it up like, and bring it up soon. That's right at I'm the very saying. beginning. That's, right? that's yeah. the thing with all of these, like, right. These, all these non-negotiables and must-haves, like you don't want to wait until you're six months into a relationship with someone to say, Oh yeah, by the way, like, like literally my, my, one of my exes, we didn't, I mean, I think she knew that I had a cat, but I'm, but not like really. Mm-hmm. And we probably should have talked about that before she sold everything and moved across the country. Like that would have been a really great conversation to have. Yes. And in the end it worked out and, but maybe it might not have, but that's why Indian matchmaking on Netflix, you watch it <laughs> and it's a, across the board, Indian matchmakers, they get all that stuff out of the way before you even have to deal with it. You know what I mean? But that can, you also could miss people that maybe, you know, and this is my thinking, well, I'll see how it goes, you know? Right. I don't know if that's the smartest or what, but I'm not, it's not like I'm younger. I'm looking to get married to have kids and all that. Like most of the people on that, you know, in that situation are, um, but I don't know. It's a, it's a, I don't know. Like, do you miss something or are you going to just be more clear and have a smoother life? And I think, with that kind of matchmaking, it's about the smoother life, right? It's about matching up all the things they each want, matching it up, and then you have the smoother life. But I guess I've never had the smoother life. And yeah. have I have I wanted the smoother <laughs> life? One, I say I do, but then I don't act in a way that, that gives me the smoother life. So Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. For me, I like to think these things through. As you know, I'm an overthinker. I'm a pre-thinker. I like to think about things before they even happen. Right. Um, in the event that they might happen, which they almost never do. Um, here's my second, my second question I asked myself, particularly in this most recent, um, dating bout as what would it be like to be someone's first same sex relationship? And I mean, I've been, I've been gay for my, almost my whole life. Like I've, been in relationships. I've been out. For, you I've mean out. out, right? You've been out well, for your life. Well, yeah. yes, but I've been actively gay, okay. like in mm-hmm. same sex engage- engagements. Like I didn't just have my first kiss like two weeks ago. Like my first kiss with a, with a woman was 30 years ago this year. So, um, so I've been out and I've been actively in same sex relationships for 30 years. Um, what does that mean if I were somebody's first? Um, either mm-hmm. they, they just never dated. They were like the 40 year old virgin, or maybe they were in a heterosexual relationship, marriage, maybe, um, had a divorce because they realized they were, they were gay and they came out or they haven't come out. Um, how would I feel about that? And, you know, I don't, I don't, I mean, there's certainly, this is where I go back to the pros and cons list. And I'd want to, of course, talk to the person, but I, I don't know how I'd feel about that. I'm not sure. Do I want to be that? Do I want to be someone's first? Um, do I, am I honored to be somebody's first? I just don't know. But I think during the healing process is a good time for me to say, okay, hold on. I need to sit and think about this because if I do have a really strong inclination, I want to honor that for my own self instead of just saying, you know, discounting someone because they have never been with a woman who may be excellent. Or on the other hand, getting into a a relationship with someone as their first and then realizing that probably wasn't a good situation for me. And so I need to think through that. And that healing process is the perfect time to do that. Well, interesting. Both of those questions were things that I said were no goes for me. And then I blew right by them. I just (laughs) threw them out the water. I just, boom, in my old days, I'm like, no, that's an absolute no. No way am I doing that. And then bam, bam, whatever, throw that out the window. 
And my thing is every time, this is my thing every time, and I process this with like 30 people, like, how do I feel about dating someone who isn't a vegan? And that's Mm. always hard for me. I've only been with one vegan. The rest have not been. And I have to get emotional support about it. And it's very difficult. And I go forward with people who are not. And, you know, sometimes there's a conflict. Sometimes there's tension. Sometimes it creates serious problems. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't. And I'm trying to, like, not, I'm trying to, Is that's every time that's a, it's a real dilemma for me. So I seek external help with that. So what have you, so you're still asking yourself this question. Is there some kind of like, every time, like, like, is there some kind of scale? Like, is it like, if someone said, Oh, I'm a vegetarian, but I'm not fully vegan. Is that better than them not being a vegetarian at all? Or does it really matter? Or like, no, because to me, vegan is one is vegan and vegetarian are very far apart. So for me, it's like, it doesn't matter the vegetarian versus the non it it is harder. I'm not going to say it's not, but um, you know, I, it's, it's a struggle each time. And so um, I don't want to talk about, there's something, well, it's just difficult. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Every time it is very difficult. I have to come up with strategies to deal because there aren't that many vegans in the world. And I think, you know, there are vegans who will not date non-vegans and I'm not that, but it does also cause a lot of problems as well. And it's, it's my thing that I have to deal with and then I have to figure out how to deal with it without it creating problems. But, um, have you ever tried easy. to change someone though? Have you ever, like, I mean, I'm not saying that's a good well, thing. Okay. But have you... People accuse me of that all the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm always accused of that. You're trying to change it. Just let's put it out there. I would like everyone in the world to be vegan. I would like the entire world to be vegan. So when I say that, and when I say, look, these are the reasons why I think that veganism is so good for, us, for the animals, for everybody on the earth, it come, people perceive that as me trying to change them. And I guess just with anything that anybody believes strongly in, it's like, yeah, of course I want everyone to change. Am mm-hmm. I trying to force them? I mean, I've never, except when I was a cop been and had the power of handcuffing people and, you know, arresting them, like I've never had the power to change anybody. Never. Nobody, people don't listen to me. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, if I could change everybody, bam, I would, but that's not a realist, you know? So it's hard to say. And and that's the thing. I think when you're a strong and opinionated person about anything, not just a vegan thing, I've been accused of that a lot. Like, oh, you're trying to change me. Well, yes, I want what's good for you. I want what's good for the world, whether that's about substances or it's about, you know, other things, right? Health and fitness. Am I trying to change you? Um, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing. I think being an opinionated, outspoken person, that's always going to be a misunderstanding. Like, that, not that I don't want people to change, but that I have the power to force them to change, you know? Right, right, right. Well, and I think that's interesting because the question that you're asking, that you ask yourself about this is how do you feel about dating someone who isn't a vegan? That's on you to kind of figure out how to, how to, you know, manage your own feelings, but someone could potentially change. Whereas, you know, the questions I'm asking myself, would it be, would it be like to date someone with kids or being someone's first same sex relationship? Unless I said, ditch your kids and, you know, go out and have a few hookups first and then come look me up. There's not a lot of changing. Like I have to just sit, like figure out, I've got to sit with it and figure out if that's what I'm willing to have. And it sounds like, because you're not actively going to change somebody, you know, that you also have to sit with it and say, can I live with it? If someone's you know, not a vegan. So, well, um, and all these things that I said that, you know, I would have a difficulty with, and then I just, I blew by it because for me, the attraction and I've not been attracted to that. I mean, literally if I'm attracted to the person I've ended up dating them. So in 35, 37 years of dating, I've dated eight to 10 people, I think. And so if I begin to date them, I'm already, like whatever you got going on, I'm there for it. So mm-hmm. that's kind of me. And does it cause problems? Yeah. But mm-hmm. I haven't, I don't sound like I've been that into so many people, you know what I mean? Like right. I, my best friend would always like, especially after this last devastating relationship, you know, told or the breakup was devastating. 
oh, go out and date. You got to date like straight people. You know, you need a date. You can just casually date. And I'm like, okay, no, it's not going to happen. I don't do that. And when I have already, if I decide to date someone, bam, it's game on. I'm in it. So mm-hmm. it's harder, I think. And it's harder in that lesbian way of how we are generally. I'm stereotyping here. Very get very close very quickly and end up being monogamous pretty, you know, the Mm -hmm. large majority, not everybody, but off the bat. So for me, I mean, I'm monogamous day one. So I don't want to see anybody else. If I'm seeing you, that's it. Like I have already decided how I feel about you. And so I have never had any control over that. That has just bam hit me like a rock each time. And so I always, like I said, have to do cleanup later, deal with it all later. I mean, it makes sense as to why the, the, yeah, the non-negotiables are things that you kind of throw out the window. If you, you lead with attraction because you have it rarely, then you have to kind of question those non-negotiables. For me, I try not to even like, I I try to manage my attraction to other people because if they have these non-negotiable things, I don't even want to like get it, become attracted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, this has been another great conversation. I'm really glad that we had an opportunity to um, to record this episode or actually re-record this episode kind of with new insight um, and, and really a new new kind of approach and, and looking at the importance of being able to use that healing time to identify those things that you want moving forward um, so that you're you're ready, you know, for when you want to move forward, right? But that you also have some clarity about your own self and what's important because there's other things that besides preparing yourself for a relationship that's important for discovering your non-negotiable. So even for instance, just knowing that I don't want something, uh, I don't want to move from Tucson also is a really good clarifying uh, element of my life for my professional career, for, mm-hmm. um, for, for traveling, for, you know, parenting, all of those kinds of things. And so that clarity is not just relegated to future relationships. And we certainly don't want to compartmentalize it like that, but, you know, in the context of this podcast, we certainly want to make sure that we're using this time as kind of a reflect and, and move forward. And so as, as we say, really thinking about it, we think about that healing creates an opportunity for clarity, but you know, clarity also creates an opportunity for healing. And so they work together in a symbiotic relationship. As you find that you're creating clarity for yourself on what's important, you're finding that you're healing, you know, oftentimes from a relationship. And then as you're healing, you're getting clarity and then the cycle goes um, and, and it's continuous like that. So um, again, thank you, Tracy, for a great conversation. And we will put some resources in the show notes as usual. And until our next episode, make sure to go out there and rock those relationships. If you liked what you heard, check out our show notes for resources from today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Rock That Relationship and go to our website at rockthatrelationship.com for updated episodes and more great information. Thanks for listening. Now go rock those relationships.